freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening, right here on the Republic Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, February 21st, 2015. This show is, of course, live every Saturday evening from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central Time. We have a great show lined up for you here today. We're going to be continuing our discussion on neo-feminism as a eugenics operation, an operation of what I call, what I've coined, epi-eugenics, eugenics that is actually waged against a population through mind control, through the control of human perception. We'll be talking about some of the mind control tactics that are specifically targeted toward women in our society, as we've been doing for the past several weeks. I will be taking calls in the third hour of the show this evening. The call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. Once again, the toll-free number to join us in hour number three with your calls and comments, 800-313-9443. Before we start this evening, I do have a few announcements. Of course, the big conference coming up on the East Coast this year, the Free Your Mind 3 conference, biggest and best conference of its type anywhere really in the world, uh, if if you want to be technical about it. I mean, this is a conference that really delves deep into the nature of the problem that humanity is facing. It's a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. Free Your Mind 3 will be taking place April 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2015, just outside of the city limits of Philadelphia at the Sheraton Bucks County Hotel. The Sheraton Bucks County Hotel is at 400 North Oxford Valley Road in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. The speakers confirmed for Free Your Mind 3, Bob Tuscan, Clint Richardson, Curtis the Illuminated One Davis, Dennis McKenna, Derek Bros, the New Jersey Weed Man Ed Fortune, Freighter X, Freeman, Fritz Springmeyer, 
Jay Parker, Janice Barcello, John Bush, John Vibes, Josie the Outlaw Wales, Laura Eisenhower, Lennon Honor, Stuart Swerdlow, Luke Rudkowski, Mark Devlin, myself, Mark Passio, and the Anti-Media Panel. There will also be a panel discussion group with the speakers of the event, and there will be open mic night sessions at the end of each night for approximately two hours. An all-weekend pass for the biggest conference of the year, only $150 for all three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, April 10th, 11th, and 12th. The the, uh, speaker schedule has been posted to the conference website at freeyourmindconference.com. And uh, you want to go and get your tickets in advance. That's the best way that you can help support a conference of this type is to buy your tickets in advance as that really helps with the speaker's travel arrangement expenses, the lodging expenses, and the expenses to uh, secure the venue. Uh, and they have a great venue this year and uh, a, a absolute dynamite uh, lineup of speakers. So um, I've, I've also... Uh, Uh, been able to uh, tell you that there will be uh, a coupon code that will continue through the end of February. If you enter coupon code PASIO into the checkout at freeyourmindconference.com when you order tickets, you can get $15 off for purchases of over uh, $100 or more. And that um, that special code is valid for listeners of What on Earth is Happening Only, and it will be running through the end of February. So exactly one week from today, uh, at midnight, February 28th, that will that will end, okay? So um, get your tickets now, and with that coupon code PASSIO, P-A-S-S-I-O, you can enter that for $15 off your total purchase. So uh, tickets are available now. Don't miss the Free Your Mind Conference coming up in April, uh, April 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2015. The website, freeyourmindconference.com. So uh, I did finish editing my Second Amendment presentation video that I gave on February 10th in Philadelphia, and it is now online at both the whatonearthishappening.com website and my YouTube channel. Uh, You can see it uh, if you go to the news section of the website, the videos section of the website. It's at the bottom of that listing if you go to the videos tab. Or you can click uh, the second item under latest news. It says watch Mark's presentation, the true meaning and purpose of the Second Amendment. And um, I'm really happy with the way this came out. It was a short presentation, uh, especially by my standards. I usually give much longer uh, video presentations, but this one was just over a half an hour. I think it clocked in at about 41 minutes or so. And I think, uh, uh, you know, I did a pretty good job breaking down all the different components of the Second Amendment and then reassembling it on the other side to help people understand what it was really truly about. So you could check that out once again on the news or video section of my website or my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash whatonearth93, whatonearth all lowercase altogether and just the number 93 after that. There are still What on Earth is Happening uh, promotional t-shirts available as a gift in return for a voluntary donation to support my work. You can click the email link that is listed in the article in the top of the news section item of of the whatonearthishappening.com website for more information on how to receive a promotional t-shirt. And as I said last week, I'll be making some new designs for the Free Your Mind conference. So uh, those will be available, and I have a really uh, nice um, uh, 
uh, kind of a vector graphics design that I'm going to be uh, breaking out uh, for the Free Your Mind conference uh, on t-shirts. So um, there also is a donation button on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com site. If you feel that you've received value from the information I've presented and shared here on this radio show and on my website, you can feel free to make a voluntary donation to help support my work so that I can continue it into the future. So with that having been said, uh, let's jump into the material for, for tonight. Again, as we've been talking about this topic, which is a controversial one, and again, controversial just means face-to-face with change. Often it means face-to-face with dealing with something that is uh, burdensome or uncomfortable, and then you have to confront it and deal with it in order to heal it, because ignoring it isn't going to make the problem going, go away. It's going to make it much worse. Uh, that's kind of how it is with this topic of the mind control techniques that are specifically targeted against one sex. Uh, it's a Hegelian dialectic. This is a fomented war between the sexes. And the dialectic, again, very important for people to understand, uh, can work a, a, um, uh, a confrontational dialectic uh, that is a form of manipulation as has been it's it's been uh, called the Hegelian dialectic in philosophy. It's been called problem reaction solution by alternative researchers. Only one side needs to buy into the manipulation or the lie in order for that di- dialectic to actually take effect to manipulate that side, and then they attack the other side, and you know you're off to the races. So this is what I've been trying to explain when it comes to this. Um, it's not about trying to further divide people. It's trying to make the people who have bought into this dialectic understand that they've been duped, they've been lied to, and by buying into it and propagating it, they're actually doing more harm to humanity and creating further division and, like I said, fomenting a war between the sexes instead of them coming together and understand the tactics of manipulation and control that have been being used against them. So that's really what neo-feminism is ultimately all about, but even more so, it's a eugenics operation, as I've been talking about over the past many weeks. Uh, Eugenics is about selectively deciding who gets to propagate their genes and who does not. And what I call the neo-feminism agenda is an example of epi-eugenics. That means that it's eugenics that's being waged epigenetically meaning beyond just the physical control of genes, they're doing it through mind control. They're doing it through the manipulation of human perceptions. And, uh, you know, we've talked about many, many topics so far that we've covered uh, regarding this this concept, this topic in general. Uh, I'm going to probably either be ending it this week or next week, this topic, and then moving on to some other issues that I want to discuss but um, depending on how things go with the, the breakdown of the topics I want to cover tonight and callers, you know, it may, we may wrap this topic up this week. It may go into another week. But last week we touched on things like hypergamy, which is, you know, the concept of marrying upward um, or looking at uh, a, a person that you're going to become involved with simply as a resource. Uh, that's really what it, it is about. Uh, you know, especially a monetary resource, the lack of true care uh, that exists in society, the the lack of care about the difference between right and wrong behavior. You know, so many people are only interested in what a person does for money, and they're not interested in whether they really know the difference between right and wrong, and they're a truly moral individual or not. We talked about 
the 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 trap of buying into the idea that the socially engineered condition of a lot of people in society, especially the socially engineered condition that a lot of women are in as a result of the type of mind control and manipulation that has been used specifically against them, does not make that they're currently um, uh, engaged in behaviors uh, their nature. Uh, it's a trap to buy into this concept that this is just human nature and to not study social engineering and mind control uh, as a basis for this condition. And the condition is capable of being changed if people wake up to the manipulation tactics. So, uh, you know, this, as soon as I hear people say, I've reemphasized this over and over again, this is just human nature. This is just man's nature. This is just woman's nature. I, I autom- a red flag automatically goes up and I immediately think the person really doesn't know what they're talking about and hasn't really done their homework because to make that statement totally dismisses, it's totally dismissive of social engineering and mind control to bring about that current condition. That condition can of course be changed. It's not just permanently set the way we are. What is pretty much permanently set as the way we are is that we were made as a programmable species. This is the true nature of a human being. And whether good programming goes into the uh, child during the formative years will largely determine whether good output comes out in the form of behavior in that child's life. And this also can be changed even later in one's life, but it becomes more difficult because that early uh, formative year programming is absolutely quintessential for for development and what the the person uh, you know later on locks onto and values as real and values as good and values as important moving forward in their lives. It's very difficult to get someone out of that mindset if it's calcified and solidified you know over the course of their lives and it's never been challenged. Uh, that, that formative framework that was laid down during the early formative years of the child. Because the mind at that age soaks everything up like a sponge, puts it into the subconscious mind, and then relies upon it moving forward. You know, we have to understand how to get inside and unlock a lot of that content. That comes through self-introspection. That comes through working with one's own psyche. That comes through doing um, deep introspective work to, to wor- look at the things that are amiss and awry and are, have been put there through programming and through trauma. You know, and then to deal with it and say, hey, is this benefiting me? And then to say, well, if it is, then okay, keep that part. If it's not, then some, some change needs to be made. It's not okay to stay this way. It's not okay to just accept this as just how I am. You know, work needs to be done in those areas for healing and for growth, you know, and for moving to higher levels of awareness and understanding what made things like that. And if that's not in our better interest, then we have the power, we have the capacity to change it through working upon ourselves. So, um, you know, some of the topics that I want to get into this evening, well, just to recap a few more things we, we discussed last week before doing that. You know, we talked about the a little bit about the imbalanced ratio between men and women in the tr- so-called truth movement. And, you know, it's a dynamic I really wish we would see come to a level of balance by more women women stepping up and you know offering the truth as they see it to the wider community it seems like this you know um overall uh, there's there's just this huge huge um dispar- disparity between 
you know, the amount of men who are doing this type of work and the amount of women who are doing it. And I think it, it, it has to do with the topic I'm going to start on today, which is that a lot of women in general tend to like statism. They tend to like the condition that humanity is in and don't really want it to change that much because they see a lot of the ways that they perceive that it works out in their favor, in their favor, kind of like the, the perks of the state, if you will. And we'll get into some of those things. But uh, just uh, again, as a, a somewhat of a recap, you know, we, we tried to look at why there's this disparity between men and women in the truth movement last week. We'll continue that this week. And if there's any people want to call in and offer their perspective on that, I'd like to hear that. Um, we talked a little bit about last week how women drive the corporate economy with over 85% of the purchases of the American economy, an amazing disparity, with men in society making only approximately 15% of the purchases of all goods and services in the United States. I mean, that is an overwhelmingly, incredibly imbalanced statistic. 85% of purchases made in the United States are made by women. 15% of all purchases in the United States are made by men. You know, if that doesn't tell you that the techniques of marketing are working heavily in the minds of women compared with men in society in general, again, this is a generalization, okay? Uh, but you will hear me making them during, you know, talking about topics such as this. Um, that, that's overwhelming. That's an unbelievable statistic as far as I'm concerned. You know, and people should consider something like that. Why is that? You know, hardly anybody even asked that question. Uh, I feel that it's because these controllers and these um, occultists directly target the psyche of women. You know, they know that women are largely relying upon this desire for security. We talked about that as well. You know, and it's an illusion. And they, they manipulate and play upon that illusion and you know, in doing so, they get people to buy things that they, you know, put a perceived need for in their mind, even though they don't really need it. And it, it's driving the whole corporate-driven economy, you know, the whole profit-margin-driven corporate economy, very successfully, I might add. And last week, we, of course, touched upon the uh, studies that have been done on human attractiveness to the opposite sex and you know, we were talking about the imbalanced statistics that come out of these studies on attractiveness. And, uh, you know, the stats say that uh, uh, the overwhelming body of men find about 80% of all women acceptably attractive, while all women find only about 20% of men acceptably attractive. We'll pick it up from there on the other side of this break, folks. Stay with us. We don't need no thought control No dark sarcasm in the classroom Teacher, leave them kids alone Hey! Teacher, leave 
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio, my website, whatonearthishappening.com. So before the break, I was kind of recapping what we have covered uh, and specifically some of the topics we covered last week on uh, the neo-feminism agenda as uh, an operation of what I term epi-eugenics. We had looked at some attractiveness studies, human attractiveness studies, that show that overwhelmingly men find approximately 80 women of 80 percent of women acceptably attractive, while women as a whole in general only find approximately 20 percent or less of men acceptably attractive. This is um, an example of what I call the manipulation of human perception to create. Um, a desired outcome on the part of the social engineers by getting um, women to only look at a certain very narrow slice of male males in society as somehow uh, uh, acceptable and that meet their expectations in any way. And this is a way that eugenics can actually be waged through the control of human perception itself. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, we talked about how you know this will allow social engineers to really control the propagation of certain types of genetics and values. It's even more important than controlling the propagation of genes is controlling the propagation of values. Because if they can condition certain people to value simply money or looks, etc., or social status, this becomes the new form of social Darwinism and social engineering at the same time. And most women don't even understand that this has been done to their mind. They believe they're thinking their own thoughts in many ways. And these thoughts are actually coming to them through the social engineers, through the think tank agendas, through the media, through the control of the media, through the control of pop culture and pop music and what you see on television and read in magazines, etc., it's a very tightly knit strategy. It's a very scientifically um, created strategy because they understand so much about human psychology and so much about the, the hidden, deep-seated, subconscious motivations of people. And they'll exploit that. And they'll t- send that into imbalanced forms of desires and, and drives and motivations. They know how to manipulate those things not just understand how they work, but they understand how to manipulate them to bring about their desired outcome. So We talked about that a little bit last week and how all of this is really resulting in falling birth rates really all over the world and largely in westernized countries. Anywhere where the society has already been, um, you know, uh, industrialized, etc., there's falling birth rates. They're all below 2.1, just about. Um, And you know, we looked at America's hovering between, you know, 1.85 and 1.9 somewhere, you know, depending on whose numbers you look at. Uh, I've seen numbers as low as 1.84 per two people, which is seriously declining. But overall, uh, if you look at the overall population of the world, um, you know, uh, especially in the Western world, uh, we're seeing birth rates going on the downward curve as we speak. You know, people are always talking about overpopulation. Uh, and this is a lie because they're really perceiving overpopulation in cities, in concentrated urban areas. 
um, the, the all, almost all of the westernized westernized countries, uh, their population uh, index is actually in decline. You could look this up through uh, just type in birth rates by nation, and you know you'll have tons of charts about this. Um, so we talked about that a little bit last week, and we ended up kind of talking about how there are people who historically will side with an immoral system to just selfishly reap the quote-unquote benefits of that system for themselves. And this is kind of what I want to segue into talking about tonight. You know, um, we also touched on last week about how it's so it can be very difficult for awakened human beings to interact in a relationship if they're in a relationship with someone who still isn't quite awake, you know, and how you know, what I said, I considered one of the ultimate uh, wrongdoings or sins, if you will, that anybody could possibly commit. And that's not standing within and speaking the truth uh, and being an advocate for truth and freedom just to get along with or go along with someone that they're in a relationship with in a, what I call a lower form of love. The eros form of love or romantic love is certainly not as high as the love of truth, which is agape. Okay, you know, that that should come before every other consideration, including family, familial love and romantic love. I would say that needs to come even before the love of one's own children, because without that kind of care, your children aren't going to have a future. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Stay with us, folks. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio, my website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're continuing to talk about the neo-feminism agenda as an example of eugenics, uh, as an example of an operation that I term epi-eugenics, eugenics waged through the control of human perception. And um, I was getting ready to get into some new material. You know, what I was talking about just before the break, I think is very important that, you know, care for truth has to really be our first consideration. Everything is secondary to that because if we don't care about what the truth is, then we certainly don't care about what the difference between right and wrong is. And then we're going into a prison because there's a law in the universe that as morality which is built upon care for truth, increases, freedom increases. And as morality declines, which is the inevitable result of not caring for truth, freedom declines, and we go into bondage and slavery. Uh, That's an absolutely immutable law that exists in nature. If you don't accept that, get over it. You know, you might as well not accept the existence of the sun or of gravity. Okay, because you are affected and bound by the workings of those laws that you did not put into place in creation. You know, they're part of nature inherently. And, you know, uh, this, this 
society is just basically conditioned into not caring about what's right, not caring about what's true. You know, if, if, if we had real morals in society, the first question that, that would be asked by people encountering each other for, for the first time wouldn't be about how much money do you make or what do you do for a living. It would be about are you a true moral being that really knows the difference between right and wrong. How about the first question being please define a right for me. Maybe the world would be a whole lot better if that was the first question that pops up in conversation. Do you know the definition of a right? You know, it's one of the biggest reasons we're all losing our rights is because nobody even understands what a right is in our society anymore. That's how dumbed down and selfish people have become. So, the, the areas I want to take it tonight, the topics I want to touch on, can again seem unrelated. As, you know, we talked about in, the last, in last week's program, I'm going to just cover some different talk points regarding this. And... They, they, you, they could seem unrelated, but when you see them together in, a, in the big picture sense, you understand how they are all part of this agenda. And it's an agenda, make no mistake about it, to control human population. And uh, it, it's, select, it's a selective breeding agenda. It's control through the human mind of which types of people, which people with particular characteristics and traits, they want to be able to breed and propagate those genes characteristics and traits, their value system, most importantly, or their lack of one. You know, that's what they want to try to keep in place. And that's how this this whole neo-feminism agenda works, folks. So, you know, tonight I want to talk about how there's a lot of women who have been culturally conditioned, and again, generality statement, a lot of most you know, I'm going to use terms like that. It does, it's not a blanket statement. It certainly doesn't mean all. There are many anti-statist women. There are many women who are involved in truth speaking and, you know, involved in the truth movement of propagating real information to people to try to wake them up. But the vast majority of women in our society have been culturally conditioned to desire the state, to want the state. I, like I said, this is what this whole agenda is about, is ultimately creating an unholy wedding between the women of our society and the state because of the perceived perks that they receive from the state as Big Daddy. Okay, This is always connected to parental abandonment issues. And because so many... People in our society have grown up without the presence of a father figure, a strong father, a strong manly presence in their lives. There's a reason for that. The state doesn't want that. They want the increased divorce rates. They want the the um, increase increasing fomenting of the war between the sexes. Because the less strong men there are in society, the more people depend upon the state and become subservient to it. So... This is all happening at a subconscious level through programming. You know, they a lot of women have bought into the state as this protective father figure. And again, a lot of it has to do with they themselves don't have a good father figure in their lives. And so they're using the state as proxy for that, as a psychological subconscious proxy. You got to understand this is how the psyche that has been affected by some form of trauma starts to work. It looks for something to substitute in there 
This is often referred to as a psychological proxy. And in many, many women's lives, the state has become the psychological proxy for the strong father figure that may be absent in their lives. Or may, they may have a dysfunctional relationship with that father figure in some way. So they're dealing with abandonment issues of some type regarding the father figure. And that is so widespread in our society. It's unbelievably widespread. And, you know, it doesn't have to mean physical abandonment. It can mean estrangement. It can mean psychological and mental abandonment, emotional abandonment, emotional trauma interaction with the father figure in many cases. Because many men aren't in touch with their emotional aspects as well as they should be. And therefore, when they have daughters, they don't really understand how to interact with them very well. And then this leads to this estranged condition, even in relationships where the father is physically present. And then you see the females of the society coming over to the side of the state. Of course, it's more complicated than that because there's outward brainwashing in school systems. There's outward brainwashing in the media. There's outward brainwashing in, in mass entertainment, in magazines, you know, on the nightly news, everywhere. And, you know, what, is, what this has ultimately resulted in is the state taking on the role of daddy in many of these women's minds. And it happens the same way for men, too. I mean, they're not exempt from that, from all those psychological processes and from not understanding how different traumatic circumstances within their lives leads them to want the state as a proxy figure for the strong parent. You know, this is, this is really universally done in both sexes. But it's been very, very successful when it's been employed against women. And then a lot of men want to step into that role because they want to be part of that perception, you know? They want to be part of, oh, the strong masculine figure, he's a member of the state, he's a member of the, the, the so-called two-party system, which is really one party called slavery. That's not how it's going to be seen in the mind of the mind-controlled, inauthentic woman. The inauthentic man's going to go and take up his role within that institution of control, you know? Because he's going to want to be seen as attractive to the inauthentic woman. Which is, this is what we have largely in our society. There's only a handful of real people left, folks. We have the proxies running around. We have the, you know, golems. The husks. You know, the empty avatars, if you will. That, that have nothing inside. They're the inauthenticated man and woman. The, the, the flesh robot. The automaton. You know, and this is propped up everywhere. But it's, it's largely due to these subconscious parental abandonment issues because they're undealt with and unresolved. And these people aren't doing any introspective work upon themselves to understand where these issues lie. As when I talked about cosmic abandonment in that whole series we went through, I talked about my own parental abandonment issues on both sides, mother and father, and how I dealt with it and worked through it. If you're not looking at it directly and confronting it, it's going to eat you alive. You have to do that work no matter how painful it is. And there's no shortcuts to doing it. There's no shortcuts. It's called understanding what happened and dealing with it and understanding you're not going to go back in time and change it. Or how are you going to let it now affect who you are in the moment? And most people are just, they're eaten up by it. 
They're eaten up by it because they think they're going to somehow suppress all that subconscious matter, material. And somehow they're going to come out on the other side unscathed by suppressing it all instead of dealing with it. Well, it doesn't work like that, folks. You're going to get more of the same. You're going to get more negativity. You're going to get more chaos in your life the more you refuse to deal with issues that are buried down and traumatic, traumatizing you at the subconscious level. And I would suggest this is the vast majority of women are, are, have these types of subconscious trauma issues. And many of them don't want to deal with it. And, you know, they just want to look for a proxy. And the state's all too happy to come in and say, I'll be Big Daddy. You know, it, it works pretty flawlessly. Uh, and, uh, it's not, and it's going to continue to work until people really start to come around and understand how this operates. So a lot of women openly like the state and are very outward about saying so, you know. They think this control system is great in many cases. Again, not all, please don't say I'm making any blanket statements because I'm not. I'm trying to use basic generalities like a good majority, a vast majority. I feel it's a vast majority, personally. It's a vast majority of men, too. But, you know, women seem to really openly enjoy the quote-unquote perks or quote-unquote benefits that the state gives them over men in society in many cases. And again, at this subconscious level, they've bought the state as the proxy for the masculine father figure that is in some way absent or has abandoned them in their lives. You see this big time in um, princess programming, you know, the princess programming by Disney and other media conglomerates specifically it's put out there by Disney. This is part of the concept of hypergamy, of looking to that strong masculine figure as the provider, you know. It's not about whether the person's really truly deeply good. It's like, you know, lavish me with the resources that I want and take care of me as a father or mother would. Again, it's like a proxy for an absent parent more than it is a relationship that's based in equality. And again, not sameness. Okay, once again, equality does not mean just sameness. You know, if you're thinking about it like that, you're thinking about it all wrong. That means different people bring different things to the table in the relationship, and then there's a, a blending there. But they're, they're both being treated with equal fairness and equal rights. That's what I mean by equality, equality under natural law, equality in care, equality in what they have as their value system. This is the familial dynamic that the controllers don't want. They want to destroy it. It's largely destroyed. Make no mistake about it, it is largely absent. And the people who awaken themselves to what has been done through this agenda are going to need to rebuild that familial dynamic. Because as long as that's destroyed, you could forget about the proper raising of children. You could forget about uh, people truly learning morality in our society. And that's exactly where the controllers want this dynamic at. They have it there. They've, they have largely accomplished this. You know, you look at how sexuality is treated, the, the, the hyper-sexualization of women, especially young women, in our society through advertising, through media, through pornography, etc. But then, you know, in the same breath, 
they're actively discouraged to have healthy sexual lives. This whole cultural shaming of women, you know, who God forbid have had more sex partners than is seemed deemed socially acceptable. You know, th this creates all kinds of, you know, cross confusion going on in the mind, crossed signals being sent. And again, it's it started when they're very young, almost pre-pubescent years. And you see in media and advertising this sexualizing of women and boys as well, of girls and boys that are very young, even pre-pubescent, you know? The princess programming is a big part of it, too. I mean, th this goes on in movies, this goes on in magazines and television constantly. And again, that's part of this, you know, hypergamy concept that is sold to young women. You know, uh, just using sex as a methodology of manipulation to, to, to hold over, uh, you know, males' heads to get what they want is a big part of the hypergamy thing. You know, this idea that, you know, again, the, the male is to be seen and used as a resource. And again, this happens on both sides of the fence. Don't get me wrong, folks. I mean, men do this too. But I'm saying it's widespread among women. It's encouraged among women by their family members in many cases. I mean, I know this is encouraged within my family and other friends' families that I've spoken to about it. They're very open in saying, yeah, that's how you know parents tell their their uh, female children to be in many cases, in most cases, you know, marry up, marry for money, etc. And, you know, then you see that how this leads to high rates of divorce. And you see that divorces are largely initiated by women, almost entirely, actually. I mean, the, the numbers back in the early 2000s were that Almost 80% of divorces were initiated by women in our society. And that was in the early 2000s. I don't know exactly the number that it stands out, but I guarantee you it's over 80%. Over 80%. And this is all because of this mental programming that goes on. Real world men in our society are not living up to the mental programmed expectations that many women hold in their minds about what a man is. And you know what? Many, many men are the inauthentic men. You know, they're, they're getting what they have been programmed to get. And women don't see this. You know, they've been conditioned to want these doormats. And then when they're getting these doormats and they're not living up to their, their expectations as a quote-unquote man in her mind about what she's been told that a man is, then, you know, they don't want to continue in the relationship in many cases. And in many cases, it does become an abusive relationship a lot of times because of the dynamic of how um, valued money is about everything else within the relationship. And you know, this is un these are going to be unpopular things for people to hear. I'm trying to explain to you how these mind-controlled dynamics are going to work to create a totally destabilized society so that controllers can come in and easily mop up the remains. And we'll continue on these topics on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were talking about how a lot of women in society uh, love the immoral system that we have because they perceive the state as a means of security or something that will give them perks or benefits when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, in, um, interaction between them and males in society. Um, we talked about the hypersexualization of women and the, you know, putting up of women on, you know, sexual um, pedestals in many ways that you see in uh, media and advertising and pornography, but then the cross signal being sent to actively discourage women to have healthy sexual lives in society. This idea of cultural uh, shaming when it comes to female sexuality. Princess programming in the media and in the entertainment conglomerates. Um, sex being openly used as a methodology of manipulation uh, and for hypergamy. Divorces being initiated largely by women, over 80% of them, because men aren't living up to the mentally programmed expectations that they have for them. Look at divorce and family courts. You know, divorce courts and family courts, and especially in Western countries, but particularly in the United States, they rule drastically in favor of women in almost every instance. 95% of rulings of divorce courts and family courts are in favor of women in our society. 95%. Now, that's not overwhelmingly skewed, okay? I mean, you're going to tell me that in all of the interactions that happen between men and women, women are have the moral high ground in 95% of those instances? You know, I'm not trying to sound sexist when I say that just seems like a very skewed number to me. You know, and most women won't look at that and say, yeah, there's something wrong with that number. That's a skewed number. The state wants this dynamic in place. It wants this tension in place. They want... They, you don't understand anything that's going to lead to basically a child that's not growing up with a strong male presence in its life. That's what the state wants, guaranteed. That is what the the dark occultists want. I'm telling you, that is part of the entire satanic agenda that we're talking about here. Because without a strong male presence, okay. You're never going to see the kind of masculine energy that it is going to take to resist tyranny in society. That's what the, all the religion is about. That's what all the, the whole monetary system is to suppress that and emasculate the male and make him into a uh, corporate slave in, in, in a noose called a tie. Okay? Have all that, you know, any kind of rebellious angst stripped out of him you know let's let's redirect all that to football you know you know and and looking at our tribe of our team as our 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 identity our self-identity i was watching a video the other day a, a a male child maybe about six years old literally crying tears big crocodile tears streaming down his eyes into his cereal as he's sitting at the table eating a bowl of cereal okay videotape this is being videotaped by his mother okay who's trying to comfort him instead of telling him what 
a complete clown he's being. I don't even care if the child was two years old, okay? I would never feed into the kind of delusions that I was seeing in this video. Maybe I'll post it with, with this podcast. I don't know. But he, he's crying about the Seahawks' loss in the Super Bowl. I guess he's from the family's from Seattle. And, you know, the, when he was asked, how are you feeling about their loss? He said, I feel like nothing. <laughs> Powerful words, wake up from your sleep if it's your soul that you want to keep. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't concur more. That's what's required on the part of humanity because we are losing our soul. As I was saying in the uh, in the segment just before this last break, I was uh, looking at a video, a child crying in his bowl of cereal in the morning because the Seahawks, Seahawks lost in the Super Bowl. And his mother's videotaping this and asking, oh, you know, how are you feeling? And he says, as he's weeping uncontrollably, he's saying with, with this face, with his lips pouted out, like, I feel like nothing. You know, th that's how culturally conditioned already at that young of an age, at about six years old or whatever he was, okay, that your identity is to be wrapped up in your team, in your tribe, this is how inauthenticated they already have a six-year-old boy. Wonderful job raising that child, mom and dad. You did so well. I mean, you, you got a broken golem, pro, golem probably just like yourselves on your hands whose, whose entire identity is wrapped up in a football team. And he's saying because they lost, he feels like nothing he feels nothing. Yeah. Yeah, he's on the road to greatness in society, let me tell you. You know, but that that that's that's the par. That's that's par for the course, folks. That's that's the standard that we're dealing with right now. And that's everywhere. Everywhere. And because we're raising children like this in the aggregate sense, you know, the general population is raising people like this. That's why we're going deeper and deeper into slavery. See, people think making men weak like this or somehow emasculated like this or having all their identity wrapped up in, a, in you know, the identity of collectivism, the identity of the state, the identity of the tribe. You know, they think, oh, that's, that's going to somehow only weaken men. No, as men are weakened, the entire social structure is weakened cohesion between men and women are weakened and as a result women are going to suffer the consequences of that as well and largely they're going to suffer the consequences of that through the tyranny of the state because there's not going to be any strong male figures to resist that tyranny that mind control that brainwashing or any of the masculine energy is going to be funneled into the state and all these mind control zombie ro flesh robots called police and soldiers you know, are just going to enact that tyranny out onto the public. 
And you think women are going to be somehow magically exempt from that? They're going to be the hardest hit people. Get bet on it. Just don't don't take my word for it. Just historically look at what happens to women in a society that has descended into tyranny. You know, they think they're going to receive any protection from this mechanism? Quite the opposite. It's a joke. This whole agenda of neo-feminism is a complete joke, and it's totally anti-woman. has nothing to do with women, uh, feminine superiority at all. It's the destruction of the female, just as much as it is the destruction of the true male. You know, one other thing I want to bring up when it comes to this dynamic of driving a wedge between men and women, you know, so we talked about a lot of the perks that women see as perks or benefits from the state, why many of them will uh, enjoy its continuation, you know, the the continuance of the life of the state in general. But, um, I mean, we can see it's operating as a eugenics weapon. The neo-feminism agenda is already in place and operating in the Western world as a, as a eugenics weapon. We, this is evidenced by the falling birth rates in just about every westernized country. But I think, you know, they're ramping this into higher gear now with the advent of social media uh, over the last few, many years, okay? I mean, within the last, you know, less than 10 years... I'd say really within the last five or you know six or seven years when social media started coming up, you see a very drastically different dynamic between men and women playing out in society. People think social media is um, actually, you know, they tend to think that it's actually kind of like bringing people closer together by letting them share all this stuff. In reality, I feel that social media has acted as a divide between people, a big divide between people. And then they're, they're coming into like just isolated little pockets of people who just talk to each other, you know, and ignore everything else. They're put, it's putting people in bubbles. But one of the other things that I think it's doing throughout society dynamically is it's helping to drive a deeper wedge between the sexes. It's fomenting the war between the sexes at an even greater, more accelerated pace, at a, at a greater level, and a more accelerated pace. And I'll explain how I feel it's doing this. Before social media, people interacted publicly, in person. Imagine that. You know, they went places and did things together. <laughs> now, Everything's on the on this virtual screen that is people are just tapping away, tapping away, saying nothing 99% of the time. Okay? And it's like they're not even interacting in real life anymore. And this is this has actually really created a very wide split between men and women and how they see social media. And I've brought this up to some men and I've brought it up to some women as well and you could see how there's a completely different attitude about this between men and women and how women like how it functions and men somewhat like how it functions, but then when they see what it's actually causing socially, they'll seem to think, they'll seem to agree, yes, there's a point here that this is socially divisive, um, you know, and they'll go, oh, aha, they might have an aha moment and realize, you know, what you're talking about. But even if women do see the point that you're trying to make, 
they don't seem to care. They like it the way that it is because, again, it works out like a benefit or a perk in their favor. And there you just have the concept of satanic thinking. When something is being used to socially divide, people don't care whether it works out, whether one group is hurt if it works out in their favor, you know? And this is the concept of the state, too, being seen as somehow good or that should be there or that should be present because as long as something works out in their favor, forget the other person who's harmed by it. Forget the violence that's inherent in that system. You know, I'm not saying there's violence inherent in social media, but there's certainly divisiveness inherent in it. And, you know, when you bring up the way that it's been dividing people through keeping them apart, you know, through, you know, basically women through can use these social media and dating sites kind of to just garner more and more attention for themselves. And then, you know, kind of almost like a, a grocery list or, you know, a shopping line item, you know, have a whole bunch of things to choose from, a whole bunch of men's interests to choose from. Whereas social media does not work out that way in most men's favor. And, you know, this has actually made women even more completely radical when it comes to what they see as somehow acceptive, attractive, etc. You know, appealing. And it's this, it's the continuation of the type of princess programming that you see in Hollywood movies through Disney. You know, this concept that somehow men are not there as equals, but they're there as resources to be exploited and to be gone to whenever the the need is is there. And, I'm, and don't get me wrong, folks. I'm not saying men don't use and look at women as objects in many cases as well. That happens at this in the same way. What I'm saying is that social media has made it possible for women who previously had to basically interact within society physically and go places and do things, okay, with men if they wanted to. F- you know, forge some type of a relationship now has basically removed them from that interaction to a large extent where they can actually just operate digitally. And, you know, somehow, like, like I said, like some sort of a grocery list or, you know, a, a shopping item choose between men that they want, you know, to interact with somehow. And men don't really have that opportunity through social media, or certainly it's not there to any large extent. And when you bring up this dynamic to people, especially young people who are, you know, in dating ages and etc., or looking for relationship ages, they will both agree that that dynamic is present, but you'll only ever hear men say, yeah, that's, that's true. And it's kind of messed up. Women will say, yeah, that's true. So what, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear that kind of an attitude. I just suggest that people kind of bring up this in casual conversation and ask people what they think about it. I just see it as a huge divisive thing that really most people haven't even kind of considered or really deeply thought about at any kind of a level. Now, is are these things planned like that or do they just work out? You know, I would say th- this could be part of this overwhelming agenda in addition to basically collecting everybody's data and being able to work up psychological profiles on people. This is what they're using it for, to continue to drive the wedge between the genuine interaction between men and women in society, which form higher levels of 
dynamic cohesion between men and women and get them operating on the same page and looking at the same types of things and developing you know, higher level values and care for what's really going on. That again, that familial dynamic, that looking out for each other dynamic. And it's become all about how can I use the opposite sex as a resource? Again, what do I get out of it? Satanic thinking, satanic thinking. So that's something I just wanted to mention, you know, that whole idea of social media's role in dividing men and women in in the modern world. You know, all of this really comes down to what we're seeing throughout our society is a lack of just genuine care between men and women. You know, you're seeing them just see each other as the enemy more and more and more and more. And that's what they want. They want any way that they can divide and conquer people. You could talk about religion as a divide and conquer strategy, class, social status and income, etc. Age, you know, uh, race ethnicity, etc., nationalism. But you know, people often don't look at the one biggest one that's staring people in the face, gender. It's the biggest divide and conquer strategy of all. Especially with how it's, this neo-feminism agenda is being used in the modern world. I think there's a genuine lack of care between men and women and there's a rising genuine lack of intimacy between men and women. You know, we could talk about destroyed sexuality in society, destroyed sex drives, through the long oppressive hours of work that people go through. And then they don't want to interact with any level of intimacy with their partner. You know, how about um, media destroying the sex drive? Pornography destroying the sex drive? You know, the whole idea of pop culture. You know, and the brainwashing that goes on through mass entertainment painting, you know, this, this hard to reach ideal, you know, this is what the perfect woman's body should look like. This is what the perfect man's body should look like, you know, has nothing to do with genuine interaction between the people. It's all superficial. It's all on the surface. It's all, what can I get out of it? Satanic thinking. How about the destruction of healthy sexuality and sex drives through just what's in the food, through what's in the water, through all the chemicals we're bombarded with on a daily basis in cleaning products and, you know, uh, uh, products that we use every day around the home in the bathroom. All the, the whole chemical society, the chemical-laden society. How about the, all the spraying they're doing on us? Who, you know, What's the result of when soft metals enter the bloodstream and get into the central nervous system? You don't think that that can have an effect on human sexuality and, and you know, intimacy in general? And again, then that acts as a methodology of eugenics, of controlling population growth. How about radionics and electromagnetic fields? All, all the waves that we're constantly bombarded with on a daily basis everywhere. If they could, they would destroy sex entirely, folks. You know, like the concept in Brave New World. They want open eugenics like that. They just know that if people saw that type of thing being waged, like what, or um, like what um, uh, Huxley put out in Brave New World, that there'd be lashback against it. 
So they're not doing it in that straight eugenics type of methodology. They're doing it epigenetically. And you're going to see whole characteristics, whole value systems bred out of humanity this way until we awaken to what's going on, folks. It's a very, very elaborate strategy. It's something that only one in a million people are going to deeply comprehend and understand how this is being conducted. I don't even expect most of the listenership to really understand this entire tapestry. And again, I've only been following a loose outline. When I really deeply formulate this into a cohesive presentation, maybe I'll make a formal seminar regarding this entire topic. And I'll call it epi-eugenics, the neo-feminism agenda, you know? And maybe that'll be an all-day seminar at some time in the future. I don't know. What I'm saying is that there's many different components to this, and you have to look at it all as a tapestry to understand how it works, how these different methodologies of attack work together. So many ways they're destroying sexuality and intimacy. I mean, just they're, they're, you just look at what's going on in Japan right now, folks. I mean, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but I've read many articles about that there is an actual crisis. They're calling it openly an intimacy crisis in the country of Japan right now. Surveys conducted in around 2011 and 12 are finding that over 60% of men and 40% of women, I'm sorry, 50%, 60% of men and 50% of women between the ages of 18 and 34 who were single at the time that they were polled, that, they, that these surveys were conducted, were not interested in any kind of a r- relationship with the opposite sex, were not involved in and did not want any kind of relationship with the opposite sex. Now, do you think that that's normal behavior for men and women in a modern society? I mean, I, I just don't see that as normal behavior. That's, that's so, those numbers are so skewed. That is some type of mind control agenda at work. And they actually call this the Japanese intimacy crisis. I mean, if you just type that term into a search engine, you will get articles on it. I mean, I I see that crisis as coming to the United States or already underway in the United States, probably just at lesser percentages right now. And this is what they want. They want a rise in the divide between men and women in our culture. They have it. They have it going. And until we awaken to their methodologies of control, it's not going to change for the better. I want to touch on a few more points in this hour coming up, and then we'll go to your calls in the third hour of the show. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. Don't dare speak 
There's a wall between us And a river so deep We keep pretending That there's nothing wrong But there's a code of silence And it can't go on Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. So, before the break, you know, I was talking about this uh, crisis in intimacy that you see happening in the Far East and Japan, and how many young people want nothing to do with the opposite sex anymore. And that's just absolutely non-natural. That has to be the result of epigenetic programming. In other words, mind control. And the declining birth rates in all westernized countries are an example of epigenetics. Eugenics that is waged through mind control. Where the population is actually calling itself and that those figures, I guarantee you, the figures that I talked about regarding the Japanese intimacy crisis, 60% of men and 50% of women not interested in any kind of romantic relationship in Japan between ages 18 to 34. Those figures are coming to the United States and other Western countries. I guarantee it. Unless we wake up to this manipulation that's being conducted against us to weaken us, to divide us, and to conquer us. Another thing you see in society that I feel is a disturbing trend is the rise of asexualism. And I'm not saying, hey, if anybody just, you know, doesn't want to have any sexual life, that's their business and that's, you know, their free will to do so. But I see this very steep increase in the rise of asexualism, which had always traditionally just been a level thing and engaged in a small uh you know, percentage, a very tiny percentage of the population, it is now extremely on the rise. And there's a reason for that. It's all of these things working together that I call all components of this neo-feminism agenda, which is about the total annihilation of the familial dynamic in society. Once you destroy that, you destroy morality, you put people onto moral relativism, You put them down the path to social Darwinism, and that leads inevitably to eugenics. And ladies and gentlemen, I've just described to you what the religion of Satanism is. I don't care whether there's Satanists out there that want to say, I'm a spiritual Satanist, this and that. You know, you hear all these different terms thrown around about there's this kind of Satanism and that kind of Satanism. When I talk about Satanism, I'm talking about the old religion, ladies and gentlemen. Get that through your thick skulls out there. Okay, I'm talking about the ancient hidden religion of slavery, of the perpetuation of slavery and the keeping of the human animal as a slave. That's the religion I'm referring to. Okay, so everybody wants to rebrand everything and call it the same name. You know, you want you want to call what traditionally the religion of Satanism, which doesn't have to be called Satanism, okay? I don't care what you call it. It's the old dark occult religion, period. The old hidden 
exploitation of the human psyche and the laws of nature. If you have that knowledge and other people don't. I call that Satanism. And I call the tenets of only caring about yourself and not caring about what's true or right. Not not thinking or accepting that there's a true difference inherently between right and wrong behavior. Thinking that it's okay for the people who are the most ruthless in society to somehow come on top and rule over other people, as long as it, you know, we get ours, and who cares about the suffering of other people? And the the, the last tenet of well, since we're if we're in that position of rulership, well, let's let's control uh, who propagates their genes and who doesn't. Who, pro, who who or in other words, who lives and who dies, which is called eugenics. These are the general tenets of the old religion. I don't care what name you want to slap on it. You know, call it atonism, call it, you know, um, dark luciferianism. I don't care what name you put on it. It doesn't make a difference what name you, you give it, as long as you understand what it does and what its tenets are. You know, people get too hung up on labels and then they want to argue. It's like saying, what is Christianity? Well, 10,000 Christians are going to come together and disagree over what Christianity really is. You know, because there's so many different forms and flavors of it. Understand that when I'm talking about the neo-feminism agenda, I'm talking about it as an extension of this old religion, which I call Satanism. It is a satanic agenda without any question in my mind. And radical forms of it are coming up that are just openly, uh, openly espousing misandry in our society, the radical hatred of men. We'll pick up that thought on the other side of the break, folks. Stay with us. Back everyone, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio, my website, whatonearthishappening.com. So before the break in the last segment, we were covering different aspects of the intimacy crises that are going on all around the world. We hear about it particularly in Japan. I, I made the prediction this is coming or already present in the United States. We talked about the rise of asexualism, which is people with just no sexual preference and just dis- are dismissive of sex of any kind, and how that's on the, the rise because of a lot of the different mind control that's going on in society. And again, this is all part of eugenics. They, they want this present. Um, you know, we talked about all the different things that destroy sex drives, you know, long work hours, media, pop culture, food you know, so-called medicines, the pharmaceutical drugs, pollutants in the water, you know, fluoride, etc. 
uh, radionics and, and electromagnetic fields, smart things that are going on in smart meters, Wi-Fi networks, chemtrails, you know, soft metals being sprayed on the population for a number of reasons. And, you know, this is just, uh, this all comes together as a perfect storm of eugenics. And people can't see how it all fits together, how it's all working together. You know, they can't see the grand scheme, the grand plan. You know, I was talking about before the break hit, it's the rise of radical feminism. You know, this idea that, you know, men should just die, we should deliberately control the, the the ability of men to breed as if this hasn't already been done epigenetically throughout our society where genetics studies show that already about 80% of the genetics is coming from women's lineages as opposed from men's DNA which shows that most women only breed with approximately 20% of males in society about a fifth Whereas four out of five men basically do not propagate their genes through birth, through birthing a child. You know, and this is all done to, to essentially continue the immoral system that we have and continue the eugenics operation that is already being conducted against the public. You know, this whole idea of women are largely being responsible for the continuation of this immoral culture by who they are choosing to continue to breed with. Women aren't... I, I was reading another study. It's something I guess I should bring up before, you know, continuing. That, you know, women say, overwhelmingly say that they want a nice, quote-unquote, nice man. They want a moral human being in, in a partnered relationship. But overwhelmingly, the same studies that have been conducted about what women say they want prove that then they go and do something completely different to that in their actual actions and their behavior. And then they get together with a guy who doesn't have any of those characteristics that that they say that they want. Which again, there's cross signals. You know, you have one idea that is planted there more likely than not by the familial dynamic of their family members telling them you should go and get a quote nice guy that will quote take care of you okay but then they're looking at what are the pressures of society what is society saying is acceptable looking at all these different factors that they hear about in the mainstream you know media and culture and entertainment etc and then they go out and pick probably the most immoral the most um ruthless the one that will inter- that will accept the chains of the state the most just to get over on somebody else and make as much money as he can regardless of what industry he has to go into or how immoral the profession that he has to go into is just to be considered attractive or desirable by the inauthentic female in our culture see it's a feedback loop The inauthentic female desires the inauthentic male, so more men step into the role of being the inauthentic male. And this is why women have a huge, huge say in the outcome of humanity, probably more so than men do. 
because they get to decide what's the next generation going to be like. Am I going to hold a value system within me that is genuine and true and real and is based on truth and freedom? Or am I going to hold a value system that's all about money and gain and ultimately Satanism? Because that's where we have it right now, folks. Most people are Satanists. I don't care who that offends. The vast bulk of the human population are satanic in their mindset. And therein lies the problem of this entire culture and why we're going into bondage. Because we only care about ourselves. We don't care about what's going on in a wider sense. You want to know what Satanism is? I keep telling people. It's waking up every day and never considering anybody but yourself. You think about your own crap. You think about your own situation. You think about what you have to do to be more comfortable that day or the next day or the day after that. You don't care about justice in the world. You don't care about rights, human rights. You don't care what's going on globally. You don't consider the state as slavery. You don't want real freedom. You don't want to know anything about that because that involves deep learning that involves true care that involves real introspection and changing your own mind changing your own thoughts which is the solution which is why things like this have to be talked about because they're toxic and poisonous people are being turned into toxic poisonous people that don't care about real values and as a result what are, what are those, specifically those women doing? They're going out, they're breeding with the same kind of man that they've been breeding with that has made the world the way that it is. And they keep doing it. Because they say one thing and do another. Contradiction. Internal contradiction in consciousness. They don't really want a moral man. They want a man who comes out on top within the immoral society that they're in. That's all they care about. The vast majority. Please, I'd, I'd want to try to refrain as much as possible from ever using blanket statements, okay, when it comes to this dynamic. I will, I will say the vast majority. And hey, are the vast majority of men any different? They'll go into these immoral institutions just to make money to appeal to, you know, the opposite sex. They don't care about what they're doing. They're just following orders, like going along by rote. Because this is what's going to get me mine. This is going to get me what I want. And therein lies the satanic thinking that's going to lead us into oblivion. And on top of this, now you have the radical sects of neo-feminism that are absolutely openly man-hating, practicing open misandry, the, the radical hatred of men. You know, some of them saying all men should just be done away with. And then they'll have some sort, well, I presume that they'll have some sort of a uh, breeding project uh, a la um, Brave New World. You know, we'll have designer babies, you know, that are just taken from our genetic material and propagated. And I guess they'll all be women too. I mean, you could see how sick and imbalanced this becomes at some point. You know, I'm certainly not for the subjugation of any people, let alone women. I think women should enjoy the same exact equal rights under natural law that all beings do, that all beings should enjoy. You know, I said from the beginning, that's the difference between 
classical feminism, which espoused equality under rights, and neo-feminism, which is all about trying to replace this so-called patriarchy with a matriarchy. And we don't have either, folks. We have an occultocracy, a phrase I've been coining and, you know, trying to ingrain in people's minds over and over by repeating it every week. We have a society ruled by the dark occultist. The hidden hand, if you will. The controllers that understand all of these dynamics about the human psyche and how they operate and are going to exploit them because the public is painfully and dangerously ignorant of how the human mind works and how the real laws of nature work. So that's the kind of rulership we have. We have an occultocracy. And it's, you want to know what, what neo-agenda it ultimately leads to? Neo-feudalism, which is what we're already in, folks. We're already in a neo-feudal society. That's the only kind of government there is on the earth, is feudalism. And sadly, that's what a lot of these radical feminist groups would love to see. They want to see this total control system for some reason. They love the nanny state. They think somehow it's strength when in fact it's total chaos and destruction. And the only way we're going to help heal this divide is to bring these attentions to the fore. We can't keep staying silent about these things. We have to put them up in people's faces and talk about it. It's not going to be healed through silence. So, I mean, those are the basic issues and dynamics that I wanted to bring up regarding this topic. I'd like to talk a little bit about the reactionary movements that are going on regarding the whole neo-feminism agenda because, of course, with every action, there's going to be an equal and opposing reaction. And again, many of these just set the stage for confrontation and, and a further divide and war. That's what they want, war between the sexes. You can't understand. You have to understand that's all these people want. They want division and war. That's it. They want to continue to suck off of that energy. Because as long as people are divided and at war with each other, they're never going to understand the predator, the, the mindset of the predator that's already exploiting and preying upon them. I don't understand how people can't grasp that. So you have the men's reaction movements to the neo-feminism agenda. You know, men's rights activism in general, MRA. And then you have <clears throat> other groups that identify as MGTOW or M-G-T-O-W, st which stands for, uh, MRA stands for Men's Rights Activism, and then MGTOW stands for Men Going Their Own Way, which is a uh, men's, I would call it a reactionary movement against the neo-feminism agenda that is about totally cutting off from interaction with women. Men's rights activism largely points out some of these things that I've been talking about over the last many weeks and wants to try to bring some more education and discussion to the fore regarding these things. Uh, but again, it's, it's very, both of these seem to me to be very incendiary. I've tried to take a more um, balanced perspective and not try to foment a further war, which is why I would say I would not consider myself a member of any type of reaction movement such as that. I consider myself a, an individualist who, you know, 
studies these dynamics and makes my up my own mind about them and then tries to explain to others how these dynamics are really working in society. Uh, I think getting involved with any particular group is probably the wrong answer. Uh, I'm not a collectivist in general. Uh, in, in, my, in what I consider my nature, I don't see myself anymore. Uh, maybe I once did, so I shouldn't say it's my nature, but I've changed my condition, let's put it that way, to wanting to be involved in groups to, you know, working on my own, and I will work with certain groups of people if I feel their intent is, you know, pure and well-founded. Uh, but I just, you know, don't consider myself uh, a group joiner uh, anymore. I think I learned my lesson on why it's probably a bad idea to get involved in group dynamics, period. Okay? So, um, you know, you can look at some of these movements and you see, you do see some um, uh, uh, misogynistic tendencies or outright misogyny within them uh, in some cases. And that's because you're going to get radical people involved on in this because it's such a controversial and hot-tempered topic to begin with in most people's minds. So uh, I don't look at that as reflective of the entire of any of these entire movements. You know, you have to look at look at that and say, well, there's going to be extremists in just about anything, and you need to realize there are a small percentage of it. There are some valid, many valid points that are brought up in within these reaction movements, um, and um, you know, one of the solutions that they bring up, which I don't really think is a solution, is the idea of just completely separating from interaction with women. I think that's going to largely, I understand it as a defensive mechanism. I can understand it. Hey, if they perceive they're being traumatized by this agenda, they're going to say, let me shut down and not have any interaction. But is that really the solution? I can understand why that is proposed as a, a solution, but are you really changing anything as a result of doing that? that? That means you're not going to be interacting with any of these people. They're still going to be under the influences that they have been, all the pressures of mind control and uh, cultural engineering and social engineering, okay? And they're going to still be outputting that same behavior because you're not really doing anything to change it. You're just going into a shell, you know, so this is the idea of the sexitus. Uh, you know, many articles have been written on this. Uh, maybe I'll post some links to some of them. I think uh, 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 th there was a good two-part series by, I think it was an InfoWars reporter. I think it was Paul Joseph Watson. I'm not 100% certain, so don't hold me to that. But I'll look up some good articles on this concept of the sexitus, the, the dropping out of society by the American male, and really the male everywhere throughout the world, because they see that modern females have become so, um, you know, I guess mentally weakened in their, uh, in these different forms of, of uh, uh, social engineering that have been done to them, but many of them don't even understand that it's been done through social engineering. Again, uh, where a lot of these groups fall into is that this is just the nature of women, which I see as the greatest danger within those movements, okay? You could hear some of the gripes from some of these movements and accept those gripes as valid, okay? Because they're seeing the symptoms, as I've explained a lot of the symptoms, okay? But the proposed solution is to just go into defense mechanism mode and not interact, that I see in, 
I understand it as a short-term defense mechanism, but long-term, I would say that's going to lead to more problems because what you're doing is you're just going to allow the social engineering to take its course without any resistance. Men are, uh, as uh, if they're awake, are going to have to bring knowledge of how this agenda is a eugenics agenda to the table and confront women with that who have fallen into it. You can't do that if you just drop out of society, folks. We'll pick this dynamic up on the other side of the break, and then we'll be taking your calls in hour number three. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. back everyone you're listening to what on earth is happening here on rbn i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com so i'm kind of uh wrapping up the uh neo-feminism agenda topic and uh maybe i will continue this next week maybe i'll do an all call-in show next week uh on this to let people um air their comments or questions or concerns um but i feel like i've touched on uh, most of the topics that I want to touch on, and I left on that note of the whole MRA and MIGTO movements uh, as uh, what I consider kind of reactionary to this, uh, understanding a lot of their concerns that they bring up, uh, recognizing that many of them do see the symptoms of what's happened in the social uh, socio-sexual divide between uh, the sexes in our society but many of them incorrectly ascribing this to quote-unquote human nature or quote-unquote female nature, uh, which is absolutely the uh, deepest trap that one could fall into when approaching this topic in general. Um, almost overwhelmingly, you do not see people within these movements as being um, spiritually awakened. They are very left-brained. They have a lot of knowledge and information about what has gone on, but many of them are uh, of this total left brain scientism religion that will not allow them to see the nature of the control system that really is in place occultically. Even many of them are anti-state and have understood the violence that's inherent in statism, but yet they still don't see that as connected to morality uh, and don't understand the nature of objective morality, certainly don't understand natural law to a deep extent, and most definitely do not understand the occult, the occult aspects of the control system. And that's the number one thing, you know, if you go back to my Streetwise Spirituality Seminar, which I wish a lot of people within these type of movements would look at, 
um, the very first um, characteristic of being spirit, truly spiritually awakened that I listed in that seminar, Streetwise Spirituality, was knowing about the occult and understanding that it has both dark and light sides to it. That was the number one criteria for being truly spiritually awake. Out of all the other possible things that it means to be enlightened or awakened, that was what I listed as number one as the most important characteristic. And everywhere I look, it always comes back to that one dynamic, ladies and gentlemen. Always. The people who are deeply awake, who are truly awake, understand the occult. I'm not saying they have to be practicing occultists, okay? Hear what I'm saying, not you. what you want to hear in what I'm saying. I'm saying they know of the existence of occultism. They know what it is. They know how it's used. That's the difference between the people who are truly awake and the people who think that they're awake. So I just want to wrap up a few things about this on the other side of the break. And then we're going to be going to your calls. Toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I think the final thing that I want to wrap up on, the final note I want to wrap up on on this topic is, in these reactionary movements... The biggest danger is to think that this is all female nature and to dismiss the influence of social engineering and mind control. The people within these movements have to become deeply awoken spiritually and understand the nature of the occult forms of mind control that have been used against our society. If you don't understand that, you don't really understand the nature of what's going on around you. Completely removing yourself from the equation is not the answer long term. I get why people want to do that as a defensive mechanism. Because they've been traumatized by this. Okay? You want to do that for a time? I did that for a time, folks. Didn't interact with anybody. People thought I was some weird hermit or something. But what I was doing in that time was I was getting my head straight. And I was learning about what was going on in our world. Deep amounts of knowledge and learning were being taken in. And then I had to make the decision to do something with that knowledge. That's not where it ends, that's where it begins. What you have to do is get in there and confront people. Explain this, not stay silent, not stay hidden, not stay to yourself. You need to put yourself out there in the world if you want to make it better. You got to get involved. They're playing their dark, sick, twisted game that leads to eugenics and the destruction of human freedom. We have to get on the battlefield and play the real game of awakening the human mind to the truth. 
to true care and to right action. That's called the great work. And it involves courage. It involves persistence. And it involves real care for all. It involves understanding that this is not human nature, what we are experiencing. This is the deeply mind-controlled human condition. And I think that's a good place to, to leave this topic at. Except for, of course, we'll be exploring it more in the calls that I'll be doing in this hour. And I think next week I'll do an all-call-in show on this very topic. For anybody that has any further questions, wants any clarification, you know, wants to ask about any resources or just air out whatever whatever concerns or comments that they have. It's uh, good to, from time to time, just do an all-call-in show. So maybe I'll do that next week. And again, as I talked about on previous shows... After wrapping up this topic, I'm going to go back into exploring gun ownership rights and why it's so important and how there's still so many people in the world that don't understand why it's important or refuse to acknowledge it because they're too uh, absolutely sickeningly right-brained. You know, they're not in a balanced state of mind. You know, it's bad to be totally left-brained and be a dominator, but it's it's also bad to be completely right-brained and to not want to stand up for yourself through self-defense. You know, enlightenment is about the two pillars, the non-aggression principle and the self-defense principle combined. That's the holy union of the sacred feminine and masculine. You know, there's still a lot of people that don't get that. So I'm going to give my whole Second Amendment presentation on the air in a somewhat extended format. And then, you know, we'll talk about gun ownership rights and what it's really deeply about. Why it's a cherished, cherished tradition in the United States and why that has to spread to the rest of the, of the world. So um, also on future shows, I'm probably going to do an entire series on the occult history of Nazism as a religion. People think Nazism was just a political ideology. It absolutely was not just a political ideology. It was a occult religion. And I'll be breaking down the early history of Nazism and looking into its occult roots, the occult roots of Nazism. And then I'm going to go back into solutions after that series is wrapped up, and I'll be looking at what I call the technique of maven targeting. This is identifying the people who have the most influence in any given sphere of influence, like a familial dynamic, a workplace, a grouping of friends, etc., and working on that person to try to influence their thinking so that they, as the maven or the one who the whole group seems to listen to and take their advice from, will propagate those ideas. And then maybe we'll be making more headway instead of just trying to target random individuals to wake them up because we seem to care about them. They might not have maven value, as I will explain on coming shows. So the whole concept of maven targeting as a strategy to converting people to the truth um, will be discussed on a future show or shows as well. So for now, uh, I think I'll leave the uh, neo-feminism agenda topic where I have it, and we will go to the phone lines uh, for the remainder of the show. So let's hear from Ray in Oregon. Ray, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Uh, Mark, you know me. You're you're aware of, you're aware of my work. Absolutely, this is Ray uh, Karcheski, correct? Yes. 
Yes. Um, I'd like to to speak about the. Uh, as you know, I, I call myself a living Christ. Yes. And that disturbs a great number of people, Christian and non-Christian alike. Sure. Now, I'd like to talk about the Christ consciousness and the second coming of Christ. Okay. When, when Jesus of Nazareth said that I am the truth, life, and the way, he gave the secret to a world beyond conflict. A world of non-dualistic energy, of balance. The balance between the right brain and the left brain. Yes. In other words, insight, direct perception, a, a tie-in with one's subconscious mind, which sees it all, gathers it all, does not separate, does not divide, has no beginning, has no end. It is infinite intelligence. It is God itself operating within the human the human being. Man's fall from grace was the was the fall, the descent from that holistic, non-dualistic consciousness right. of of divine perception of truth, of being at one with truth, resonating right. with truth. Now, you and I. Uh, you have a different approach than I do, uh, but you and I resonate at that level of truth that is unmistakable. Uh, you have a better way of, of connecting with the intellect of other people. Now, I perceive that the intellect, all intellect, is satanic, all, because it's, it's dualistic in nature. And by that it means, I mean that it's divisive in nature and it's opposing in nature. Whenever you have an idea, it's always a dualistic energy that must be reconciled into a, a non-dualistic insight. Then one can take action and that action is the act of creation. Now, that's the whole purpose of of life that we come that, to that, that point that, that act of creation works through our free will that's correct because we're putting that action into the world through the process of our free will right I agree most people do not know what that means you see they are so caught up with the ideas that have been conditioned into them through remote sources satanic sources the media government religions that they consider that all to be normal fare. Right. There's nothing normal about it. It's all satanic. Without let up. And the average person lives that way from birth to death. They lose that that non-dualistic spirit as an infant. When they become conditioned by their parents, who were conditioned by their parents and prior generation to the beginning of the family they've all been conditioned and they passed it on to their children that's the sin original sin of contradiction it's all done through mind control and it spreads through society like a virus like a Absolutely. self perpetuating virus yeah right now 
you know that I'm quite a controversial character on the on the internet, and I have oh, a sure. lot of opposition. I think anybody who's speaking the truth about what's going on in this immoral culture will come up against opposition and be perceived as very controversial. Um, you, you know, there's many lies that are spoken about uh, all of the people who are involved in in truth telling in our society. Uh, we're not going to let that dissuade us. You know, we're going to uh, stay persistent and keep moving forward because. That's all that we really can do, and we're going to wake people up a little at a time, if that's what it takes, until the great work is accomplished. Well, I have the solution to every problem that we face in society. We can dissolve the new world order instantly by following this, this solution, and that is from this moment forward, if everyone listening to what I'm about to say gives it their full attention and watch the reactions to what I'm about to say they will understand the extent of their conditioning and the extent of their confusion and the extent of their violence and that they join with each other with other people of like-mindedness and they become the collective that's all society is. And it's a divisive, violent arena. Uh, the arena of, of absolute destruction, both destruction of others and self-destruction of confusion. From this moment forward, let everyone hearing my voice, from this moment forward until the end of their life, Never tell another lie at any level. Mm. A white lie, a black lie, doesn't matter. You see, most people find that impossible. And yet, to rise above the dualistic energy of the intellect, the satanically ruled intellect, and that's exactly what the intellect is, an instrument, like a computer that is programmable. We must rise above that. When you rise above to the non-dualistic arena of truth, you have transcended hell. You have risen above hell in your life, in your life only. But it's infectious. Every other man, woman, and child who comes in contact with a truthful man, for a simple man of truth is is what a Christ is. That's what Christ consciousness is. Right. They speak for, some, truth. for someone resonating at that level, they're going to affect everybody around them energetically, almost so, by osmosis. Yes. Yes. Now you do one heck of a job with your presentations, but you are speaking to the intellects of your audience. And so they're going... What you say may not be what they hear because they're, sure. the noise that they have going on inside. The right. That, that's, that's always a tough one to uh, align the so-called internal dictionaries of language. You know, words are, are a limited thing. You know, they're, they, they define things. You know, they, they, uh, like you said, they, 
the language is part of the left brain and it, that breaks things down and analyzes and separates things so that they could be more understood and then seen holistically. And a lot of people don't have the same internal dictionary. So when you're saying one word or concept, they you know compare it to what they have in their internal dictionary in the mind of language and it doesn't always equate. It's a, it's a very uh, tricky concept language and right, being as clear in your, under, in, in your explaining of something as is possible to be. It's why kind of I prefer the spoken language over even the written. Like I'm working on a book and I constantly worry about, well, is this much explanation through language in this paragraph or in this sentence sufficient to really convey, convey the idea because I can't be asked a question, I can't come back with a, uh, you know, a, a, a clarification of a topic, it has to stand upon its own. And that's where you get into, you know, very verbose wordings and get, get into editing things ad infinitum. And it's kind of like why I more prefer the spoken word to the written word because you can have that dynamic interaction between people where you can further clarify through, you know, making, you know, an additional statement to try to really get people to understand what it is you're really deeply saying. It can be a very tricky thing and I think it requires balance and it requires a lot of practice and... Uh, you know, uh, I always hope that I'm, you know, doing enough job on on those grounds. Uh, but uh, you know, you're 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 not always going to reach every single person. You you do what you can, and then you hope the chips fall where they may, and that people really get the gist of what you're saying. Well, I listen to you deeply, and uh, I I resonate with the energy behind your words. I'm not I'm not too concerned with the the letter of the word. My attention sure. is paid to the the spirit of the word. Sure, and that's where truth is felt. I I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I think that's a really uh, profound um, insight there for people to listen to because, you know, people in the past have asked me, well, you know, who do we listen to? Who whose information is good? Who do you pay attention to? And I try to explain to them it's about an eclectic gathering of knowledge and information and you have to ultimately feel do you resonate with the spirit of that individual do you think he's telling you the truth as he or she understands it do you think they are giving you the truth as they grasp it as they currently understand it uh or do you think there's an agenda behind it you know and i i just think if you pay attention to somebody's work for a long enough time, you will get the essence of the heart of that person. You know, I followed your work for a long time, uh, over over approximately a decade ago, almost a decade ago, I guess you could say, uh, and it, it really helped me to put a lot of things together. And, you know, it's like you just f eventually, by listening to somebody, by gathering in their work and, and taking it in, you get the sense for that person's mind and heart. You know, it's like you have to listen to enough of it, too. You know, so I think that's a big part of discernment. It's a big part. Of, that's the intuitive right brain side of things. That's right. You know, where the intellect isn't really present, where you're, that's heart-based in intelligence. That's, that's the, the right-brained side of things. And uh, I think that's so important for people to be able to do and not just go along with the analytical approach. I'm not saying that isn't important. I think that's important as well. I tend to look at the intellect as 
part of the intelligence process, but the intuition and nurturing of the right brain and the heart have to be brought into the equation to balance it. I would say intellect without that sacred feminine perspective is satanic thinking, right. is okay. pure dualism. Fair enough. I mean, that's where I would just slightly differ, but uh, your, your insight about how to feel somebody's information and feel their energy is very, very, very profoundly valid, and I think I think more people should take that into consideration when uh, listening to information from any uh, teacher, so so called. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned the word insight. Now, insight is direct perception. That's at one minute with truth. It cuts through all the garbage. Ray, we're coming up to a break. Hold hold on right there, folks. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Before the break, we were talking to Ray in Oregon. And uh, Ray, you were going to make a point about insight. I'll let you uh, finish up that thought, and then I'll move on to some, more, some other callers. We must acknowledge what the intellect is all about. We must use the intellect in order to to solve uh, technical problems and insight not insights but mindsets that are uh, uh, gathered by virtue of mind control uh, our minds being manipulated by other sources and we must use the intellect in order to communicate one with the other now that is the only purpose that I see is Christ I see the rest of the life we must become silent. We must die to the intellect, die to the mind, and be reborn of the spirit of infinite intelligence and have direct perception. That's insight in all other matters of life. Now, to straddle that, to have that balance between the two, to know when to use the intellect and when to drop it, that's the secret. Now, this comment I made about never tell another lie that's an instant transition from the dualistic intellect into non-dualistic truth and Christ consciousness when Jesus of Nazareth said that I am the truth life and the way he gave the secret to eternal life you can only see the truth in the eternal moment of now any t- any thing after that is in the time-bound moment of intellect, you know, from the past, present, future, etc., and it's full of illusion, full of representations of truth, and we have been trained to worship those ideas that have been imposed upon us. Yes. That is step away from truth and to step into hell, and most people are completely unaware of it. Not only unaware, but they're they're attached to those Paying attention programs. to your own reactions to the truth. Uh, that's how you are able to see just how conflicted uh, yep. you, your intellect is. Just how attached to those programs that they are, right. yes. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I'm under a, a lot of 
attack coming from the U.S. United States government's intelligence community. They've been after me for 19 years to destroy my character, my credibility, my reputation. They haven't done it, but they're still at it. And I'm trying to, I've been to every law enforcement agency, uh, from the federal, from the FBI, to the state, and to the county. No agency will investigate what's going on. And I'm asking the assistance of the public in order to put pressure on the, uh, the sheriff of Josephine County, Oregon, Dave Daniel, who has refused to acknowledge my five requests for a criminal investigation. And uh, I need, we can, we can change our country with this investigation because all of the nonsense that goes on, the criminal actions of our, our politicians, our so-called leaders who are not leaders at all, can come to an end. Put those son of a guns in jail where they belong. And to open the gates of all people who are in jail over uh, victimless crimes, that's a revenue gathering measure. There's no crime. If there's no if there's no victim, there's no crime. Right. These people, we have millions of people languishing in, in prison cells over victimless crimes. This must come to an end, but the people must understand the basis, the genesis of such hellish behavior and decide for themselves no more. That's what I'm asking your audience to do, to exercise their pressure on their government officials to investigate this issue of mind control at the uh, federal level and on the internet and let's get let's get this started right do you have a uh, a site uh, that you've documented some of this stuff or that your your we, work is on that you could send people to well i have two sites uh, uh one is uh, Lisa Ray Enterprises, that's L-E-E-S-A-R-A-Y Enterprises.com. That's my daughter's site. Okay. I've assisted, uh, most of my writings are there with regards to the spiritual aspects of, of uh, how to how to come to Christ consciousness, because you cannot come to Christ consciousness through thought, because all thought is dualistic. There must be a, a step-off point where you die to the intellect and be reborn of the spirit, and then... Uh, that, that's the dynamic, Ray, that in my work I refer to as true care. Yes. It's heart-based energy. Ray, thanks so much for those insights. People check out Ray's work. A lot of good stuff that he's put out there over the years. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. More of your calls for the duration of the show. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're taking your calls, the toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. I want to thank Ray in Oregon for the great call in the last couple segments. Let's move on and hear from Dave in Massachusetts. Dave, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Oh, yeah. Uh, hi, Mark. Um, hey, Mark, getting, maybe getting back a little bit more on the topic of, um, of your show tonight about the neo-feminism and sure. the that sort of thing. Um, Mark, um, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know how you talked about how uh, the disparity between, um, uh, between uh, men and women as far as, like, uh, being active in the patriot uh, movement yes. and everything? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's at least nine men for every one woman, maybe even nineteen men for every tw- uh, twenty people. Yeah, I mean, I would ha- I would have to agree. I mean, uh, why do you think that that is particularly? Well, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you, uh, Mark. That these these women have been weaponized. The women have been weaponized against the men. They're back here in Massachusetts, not just because it's winter, but they they all look like state troopers. They're they're, 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 they're like they're part of the police state. They're all walking around in these big, heavy, black Gestapo boots. You, you almost think they're, they're Massachusetts state troopers uh, and everything, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if, when, you're, when you're in a... Boy, I, I hope I get to what I wanted to talk about, but, uh, Mark, when, when, you, when you're walking around anywhere, in any building, public building, a hospital, anywhere... Uh, Whenever you hear someone making a racket, Mark, have you noticed how these women walk around like they're the Gestapo? They make a racket when they walk. They give me the creeps when they when they walk up behind me. Men, men walk very quietly. Uh, you know, almost 99 out of 100 times when somebody's making a racket, walking up to me behind me like they're the Gestapo and everything. Now, you know, it's, it's almost always a woman, we're, we're, you know, wearing some big heavy boots or shoes that make a racket. Men, you know, men, men walk, uh, walk quiet, uh, but uh, I don't know if you picked up well, on that. David, if I, if I could bring up a point here, what I s- seem to notice is that a lot, of, a lot of women in our society don't seem to recognize that this entire thing that we're talking about ultimately comes down to control. It's one of the things that I feel that um, the female in our species seems to be resistant to deeply grasping. Like, for some reason, they feel that control, meaning coercive control, somehow equates to security or safety. And as I talked about in my natural law seminar and on all the material here on What on Earth is Happening when I discussed natural law, I explained to people that this is a fallacy and you can never achieve security or safety through coercive control because coercive control is based in fear and ultimately can only lead to the creation of more and more chaos and disorder within any given system, let alone our society. So um, this is, I think, the notion that ultimately has to be continuously brought up to people, especially when they're young, that the vying for control is not how an orderly society is created. That's how a destructive and chaotic society is created. The desire for control is never going to secure you any amount of freedom, any amount of security, any amount of safety. 
to believe that it can is a fallacy on its face. And I, this is what I see. You seem to be talking about like how many, again, not all, but many women will kind of identify with this control dynamic because they think it somehow equates to strength. When in fact, all it's doing is adding more and more disorder into our existing society and bringing it further toward enslavement. And I think more women need to understand that dynamic because many of them in this, uh, in their hyper-masculinization through the neo-feminism agenda think that somehow taking control and constantly wrestling for control is somehow um, indicative of uh, real power or real worthiness or real um, strength. And in fact, it's the exact other things. It's not real strength. It's it's actually a weakness because it's based in internal insecurity. And it's not going to lead to anything that's desirable or what we say we want in our society. It's going to lead to all the negative things that we say we don't want that we th- you know identify as bad for us. And uh, this whole attitude of the desire for control is not going to accomplish anything uh, good for humanity in any way uh, that, you know, we can uh, uh, even understand, you know. So this is part of what I think a lot of people are not doing with both men and women. They're just not helping them to understand that the desire for control is only going to lead to a more satanic and enslaved society. We have to let go of all that desire to control other people, you know, and this is what I just see happening in the socio-sexual divide between men and women. It is largely about control. This is what relationships have become about. They're not about partnering anymore. They're about who's going to be the dominant person, who's going to be, you know, the one who, quote, wears the pants. It's not about a cooperation. It's about, you know, competition. I mean, that's uh, the way I see what's going on. Yeah, Mark. And uh, now another another big thing is this nine one one number. The, uh, uh, the, these these weaponized women just impose, impose this brutal police state on us men. Uh, they, they love that nine one one, Mark. The kind of man I am, I've had that nine one one called on me so many times, not because of anything I did, but just because of who I am, and maybe just because of something that I said. And the next thing I know, the Gestapo were there, uh, uh, and, and they automatically sided with, sided with the woman. They could care less about, about, about uh, uh, my side of the story. Uh, they're commanding me to leave the premises. Right. And in, in, in any kind of a uh, dynamic where there's any kind of uh, you know, social upheaval, um, you will see the state largely taking the or listening to the side of the female in the situation uh, in, in to a great degree more so than the man i think a good movie that was made about this dynamic was gone girl uh, i don't know if you're familiar with that or if any of the listening audience is familiar with this movie but i highly recommend this movie uh to see how the the woman the woman in many cases will leverage the power of the state and play it um, and it's it's a very powerful movie. I think that this movie is so powerful that I don't think it was even it has been recognized as uh, uh, the cultural influence that it is. I think it will be seen in in retrospect as a, a cult movie, if you will, as a movie that has a cult following because um, I think the themes in it are exceedingly powerful about how uh, manipulative a woman can become and get away with that level of manipulation 
uh, because she will leverage the, the quote power of the state and influence of the state uh, to, to get her way and to, you know, uh, basically um, get away literally with murder in the instance in the story of Gone Girl, which uh, people, you know, will, will have a lot of comments about both ways that movie, but that was written by uh, a woman who I believe was formerly involved in the neo-feminism agenda and kind of woke up to it. Um, I can't remember the name of the woman who wrote the book, but it was a book and then it was made into a movie. Uh, I think it's a great allegorical film and I think uh, people definitely need to see it personally. Uh, so Dave, David, I want to thank you for the call and the points that you brought up and uh, let's move on and hear from uh, Consolo in Toronto. I hope I'm saying that right. Is it Consolo, Consolo? Hello? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Gonzalo. Consolo. Consolo uh, uh, yeah, in Mark. Toronto, Welcome. Uh, thanks. Um, I just, um, I got a book for $2. I found it at a book sale. And uh, it was quite interesting because it was talking about moral law. And I just wanted to know if you wouldn't mind me reading a, a section of it. Sure, go right ahead. Sorry, give me just a second here. Okay. Uh, morality calls upon every human being to make the same choices and hold the same opinions without criteria, without logical reasons without interest. In its own sphere, morality is like aesthetics, in which indefinable beauty can and must be fundamentally the same for all. Thus, morality makes the most sublime revelation of human history. We are one, becoming more and more what we are has been the object of evolution as far as we can see. The existence of absolute morality confirms the existence of absolute freedom. There is no guarantee, no prescription, no method for making our choices. A method would be a model of good, making every choice calculation and every false calculation an error, not an evil. The mathematicians who make a mistake are not liars because their objective was the truth. Liars are swine because their objective was error. Good and evil affect only objectives. They do not recognize means. Every action is an objective in itself. The choice between good and evil admits of no compromise, and the symmetry is absolute. There can be no question of doing good with the intention of doing evil, nor of doing evil with the intention of doing good. In the first case, the intention was bad, and the result is merely apparent. In the second, the intention was merely apparent, and hence bad, and the result was too. Moral law does not say that necessary evil does not exist. It says only that it wants none of it. Awesome. I mean, that that's just beautiful and profound. Now, what was the name of that book? Uh, it's called, uh, it was translated from French, it's called The Eighth Night of Creation, and I typed in the author, and it's basically unknown, and there are quite a few, um, only a few searches. Interesting. In how, how long, how long is the book? The book, let me just check, uh, it is about 405 pages, and oh, it's Oh, wow, so it goes fantastic. in depth. That's awesome. Absolutely, yeah. Who, who, is, who, uh, who is the author? It's unknown? Uh, it's, uh, well, no, the author is known. It's just that there's very few searches about him. It's uh, Jerome DeSouces, uh, and I'll, I'll pronounce his last name, D-E-S-H-U-S-S-E-S, -S -S -E -S, for anyone who wants to look into that. I can't believe I found this book for $2. That's and it's awesome. And 1978, which is wow. absolutely unbelievable. So it's more likely than not out of print by now, and that's how most of the best books are. 
unfortunately. Well, you can find it on Amazon, actually, for, for cheap. So if anyone wants okay. to get it, you can get it for around four bucks used. The Eighth Night of Creation. That sounds like one I have to look into. I do not believe I've ever read or heard about that one, so I'll have to check that out. That is a really profound console. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, to know your, your thoughts on that. And if, do you mind if I just, quickly before I go, I read a quote from the Satanic Witch that uh, I think really applies to the situation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is the book that I told people that shows definitively that the whole neo-feminism agenda came directly out of Satanism. It's almost like a field manual. I, I posted it, I believe it was with last week's show or the week before, and uh, people need to read this book to understand exactly these, uh, how these tactics of manipulation work. So yeah, go right ahead. This is right from uh, Zeno of Day, right in the beginning of the book, the introduction to it. I haven't even finished it, but she's already, in one sentence, she says what it's all about. Quote, the satanic witch, among many other things, is a guide to selective breeding, a manual. There it is. Th there it is right there, folks, in a nutshell, right there. Zena LeVay, the daughter of Anton LeVay, the, the former high priest of the Church of Satan, in the book, The Satanic Witch, is telling people right there, out in the open, at the beginning introduction of the book, which she wrote, okay, uh, the, LeVay wrote the book, she wrote the introduction to his book, is telling you right there, this book is about selective breeding. And that's just another term, that's a euphemism for eugenics. So, I'm sorry, conti continue, Consolo. A manual for eugenics, the lost science of preserving the able-bodied and able-minded while controlling the surplus population of the weak and incompetent. Yep. That's Satanism. There's that there's that old religion. There's that old time religion. You know? People don't want to understand that that's what Satanism is. You know? They don't want to grasp that. I mean, right there in a nutshell, that says it all. And this agenda comes directly out of that religion. And, you know, I, I don't know how to put it any, any plainer. There it is in the words of, of one of the most famous Satanists in the world, Zena LaVey. Absolutely. And, so and, it was, yeah, and it was just that one quote, she spelled everything out. Yep. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up and then really recommend that book. It's called The Eighth Night of Creation. If anyone can get a copy of that. I feel like that was just such synchronicity coming across that book. And yep. He talks, that's he talks that's about, how these little gems find our way to us sometimes, you know? Absolutely. He talks about, yeah, to me, I think this was a person that if he was alive today, he would be talking to you about natural law because sure. he discusses so much of it. He discusses the law of entropy, causality. Sure. It's a fantastic book. It's, I it's, highly it's, recommend It's all the same thing. It's all that which has already been here and that we are bound by and that we work with and through. And, you know, it's there's nothing new under the sun, as they say. It's just... People have had a different way of explaining it in their own terms, in their own words, in their own cultural ways throughout history. And that, that's all. But it's always been here. Consolo, phenomenal points and a really great recommendation on that book. And uh, thanks for bringing up that quote from uh, LaVey from The Satanic Witch. Uh, great call. Thanks so much. So um, let's uh, move on. Let's hear from Angela in California. Angela, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Can you hear me okay? Yes, absolutely. Okay, awesome. Um, I've studied your work for a while now. Um, I actually kind of was one of those avid people who took notes on it and kind of studied it like a course in school because uh, the way you laid it out was very 
um, helpful for me in my learning process. And that kind of led me to a couple things that I wanted to touch on solution-wise that people sure. might find interesting or helpful. Sure, um, right ahead. One is uh, water. I mean, it, it's 70, what, 70% 70 of the makeup of our bodies. So yep. um, I, I've learned a lot recently about distilled water and tested it out oh, for yeah. myself. And yep. um, there's some really powerful potential behind that, I feel, um, in removing the impurities that we're being subjected yep. to without our consent. Absolutely. This is why there's a campaign against distilled water and they want to make up this lie about drinking it leaches minerals from your body. No, it doesn't work that way. Your body needs the purest form of water that there is. I, I generally drink reverse osmosis water, uh, but when I can get my hands on distilled water, I'll use that. Juicing is one of the best ways to get distilled waters from fruits and vegetables. Yes. It's amazing for decalcifying the pineal. Um, yes. My husband actually, uh, about two weeks after he started uh, using distilled, for the first time ever, he started lucid dreaming. So uh, there's a lot of potential there. Andrew Norton. Ange West Angela, we're coming up to a break. Hold on and I'll let you continue this on the other side of the break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Stay with us. We'll be right back. There's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. Last segment for this edition of the show. We were uh, previously talking to Angela in California. Angela, you were uh, giving some great information about the healing power of distilled water and uh, its ability to decalcify the pineal gland. So you can continue with that line of thought. Yeah, um, in case you didn't catch what I said right before the break, Andrew Norton Weber is a good resource for that. He also goes into a, might be a touchy topic for some, but um, urine therapy if you want to take that a step further. Um, so just really right. fascinating information. Um, that I, I found very useful in, in my journey. Um, another couple things I just want to touch on real quick, phonics, um, understanding sound and resonance to reveal language spells and how to speak more clearly in truth. Um, Santos Bonacci, I know uh, uh, he, he has a great uh, piece on that. Uh, he has uh, tutorials all, all over YouTube, um, and he, he also touches a lot on astrotheology, but I know you've also... Um, you break down a lot of phonics in what you define in your presentation, which right. kind of led me down that rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. Santos has some great information. I definitely recommend his work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, last little tidbit for everyone listening is um, sovereignty and removing our active participation and support of the system, which is kind of this catch-22 we just find ourselves in, um, which has caused a lot of frustration for me personally. Uh, Kate of Gaia is uh, really helpful in that. She's done that in her own life, and um, 
Dee does regular talks and podcasts as well. Um, so she has some really good resources on how to do that. And it's, it's different for everyone. So um, you're not going to get direct answers, but you are going to get insights and information that help you know where you need to go. Um, and I'm sharing this not to persuade anyone to go down my path, per se, but to encourage others who are aware to start seeking and testing out solutions for themselves and share those with your network that is in the know as well. That's how we're going to use consciousness and intelligence to create a new way and redefine and dissolve the current limits that are being set up for us. Um, so th there's some really awesome opportunities with all the adversity that we are facing and we need to uh, use our creativity and band together with those that we know are, are in the same battle. Um, and last thing I just wanted to say is I'm here in California on the West Coast. Uh, one of my biggest concerns is uh, right now the geoengineering, the massive worldwide global weather manipulation going on. Um, yep. You know, we've, we're dealing with psychopaths trying to play God with our weather. Who gets rain, who doesn't. They are terraforming uh, the beautiful coast of California right now um, with heavy aerosol spraying. We see the signature of harp over us all the time, the, the ripples. We're getting hit with some gnarly frequency. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up and urge people. I'm not telling you what to believe or not believe about geoengineering. That's a huge rabbit hole. But um, please observe the sky and start documenting it. Um, Angela, great advice there for the listeners. Thanks so much for the call. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this edition of What on Earth is Happening, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, there's only two mistakes you could ever make on the path to truth, not starting and not going all the way. Thanks for listening tonight, everyone. We'll see you right here next week.